Hello and welcome to another episode of Jock Mailbag. My name is Damo and we're once again sponsored by Manscaped. More on them in a little bit. But first, let's introduce who is with me today. First up, it's Clarky. Clarky, you're always with me. Your demons just keep notching up wins, don't they? Yeah, uh, look, not to not to bring in the arrogance, but I am a little upset that they only played two quarters of football. It was weird for the AFL to leave out the second and third quarters and just bring it into the first and fourth half. Um, it's very, very difficult when you're doing it over at Optus, I know. And our guest this week has been on the podcast before, this time with better audio. We have Ben from Supercoach Insider. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be back and um, can't wait to get into this mailbag because normally when I open the mail, boys, it's just junk. So really keen for some good content today. Tell us how your Supercoach season is going so far. Uh, Ranked 670th. I think I dropped 200 places. Going pretty well. I am going with the more conservative approach. So I I started with um, going value because of the COVID season and that worked out really well. I had English and Crips and Hewitts and a range of people. And I'm probably going conservative as far as I'm not really getting rid of premiums. And unfortunately, Whitfield is a bane of my existence and a pain in my backside as well as Cornelio and those other situations. But I feel like this year I've got enough of a handle where I could actually have some of these players as a bit of a swing um, I've only got two more upgrades to make after this week, and I think I'll have plenty of trades up my sleeve to get it done. But looking good, boys. How about yourself? I'm not having as good as a season as you. Uh, <laughs> a couple of bad weeks, and I have dropped well behind the pack. So there was one week there I aged where I struggled to score over 2,000 points, and another week where I had all the wrong players on the field. So that did not help me at all, Clarky. Well, if Damo's doing badly, then whoa, okay, I'm having a season from hell. Um, I can only put it down to the core thing that I am built on, which is I am much better at giving advice than I am at following it because I have gone against a lot of the same thing that I say I'm not going to do every year. I've gone against my own advice and the logic and just gone absolutely wild. And now I've spent most of the season so far trying to fix my team. Um, I'm still like, I'm still not looking too bad. I've only got four primo spots left, so hopefully I'll get those upgrades done and then focus on, well, focusing on the buys and I'm excited because I brought in Rory Laird this week. So hopefully oh, that'll you make too. better. Good man. Mate, do you have, do you have steel though? Cause that's the big situation or are you getting led because you feel like everyone else is jumping on this week? I never had steel. Um, I didn't start him. I started with McRae, Petrarca, and uh, there was another one. I can't even remember. It feels like feels like a lifetime Is ago. It Took? No, I. You know Ooh. what? I only picked one of the big three. I started McRae, Parish, Petrarca in my mids, and then I kind of went heavy elsewhere. So I've still kept those guys in. So Laird's coming in. And Hewitt is coming back into my side this week. I was a bit worried about the messaging with his injury, uh, which I think we all were. So I did trade him, but I brought in Lockie Neal as a result of that trade. So even bringing Hewitt back in as a defender, I don't feel negative about that trade because I've got Lockie Neal now. So it's kind of, look, I'm back in the same position and hopefully a lot stronger this week. As I said earlier, we are sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped are the best in the men's below-the-waist grooming 
Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate hygiene bundle. Use code JOCKMAIL for 20% off and worldwide free shipping at manscaped.com. In the performance package 4.0, they have some wonderful tools to help you get to those hard-to-reach places. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the greatest ball trimmer ever. It's waterproof and has a light so you can see what the hell is going on down there. Also in the box is the Weed Whacker to help keep those pesky nose hairs in check. Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner in the box as well are some very comfortable boxes and a travel bag to keep it all in. Use code JOCKMAIL for 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. Time to get into the questions. Can I just say on that, boys, as well, it is good stuff. Like, um, I can't speak highly enough. And I'm going to give you a little plug here, boys, and not even drop our code because they are <laughs> awesome. Uh, awesome. Now, it's funny because you have such a tidy bag to put it all in, but I swear when you shave everything up and tidy it up, boys, all you want to do is let it out. And um, I am a fond believer of the weed whacker. My nose is hairier than a Collingwood defensive line at the moment, boys. So get amongst it, and um, it is good stuff. Support the people that support Jock. And um, nothing keeps the jock tighter than Manscaped. We know what I was actually looking at a, a, through a picture book of all the great AFL grounds around Australia. And you know what? They all have one thing in common. The pitches, they look good. And you know why? Because they're well-maintained. And why should your pitch be any different? It's um, like you said, it's really good stuff. And we thank Manscaped for reaching out to us and sending us all that stuff because it's it's honestly... It's honestly just really good product. And if your pitch is tidy, 44 men want to run around and play on it. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you, Manscaped. Time to get into the questions. We have touched on a couple of things already earlier in the podcast with our own teams, but we've got a question. So we've got to get into the questions now. And the first one comes from Jesse on Twitter. How many trades should we have left once our teams are complete? And he's put complete in, in quotes. So for me, I, it's difficult this year because of the trade boost, I think, has created a very different economy with the trades. We did have five more because of the boost feature, which means that you're getting to your upgrades a little bit quicker. I mean, you guys both have said that you had two, two, spot, two primo spots left to upgrade to. I'm sitting at four, which is much earlier. Usually I'd be looking around coming out of the buys with maybe, you know, one or complete teams, but I might even hit that point before then. So... I would probably say if you're still sitting in 15 plus, I think that would be ideal. But anything above 10, I think to round out the season would be economical and cover you for sort of making yourself competitive over those last few weeks. Yeah. Um, interesting. Complete, Jesse, you complete me. It's Primo's a loose term. Uh, Whitfield, Primo, right? Loose term. Uh, fallen premium or absolutely just shizing the bed premium, same as Canelio and Butters, etc. So at the moment, I think if you have a, a 10 trades with a full side um, left over, I think that's extremely beneficial. You can even then one up, one down some of those premiums that haven't performed or double down one up to get you some loophole cover. Uh, either way, once you get out of the buy rounds, you're looking at, um, what is it, about sort of eight rounds. So I think if you have six trades left to kind of basically cover injuries, then I think you're in an extremely strong position. So if you have a lot more than six trades, then I'd be looking to add either one up, one down. You could do that three times and fix three premiums for someone better for six trades. 
So if you come out of the buys with um, you know, 12 trades or, or whatever, or six trades left, you're good. Um, or yeah, two down, one up and get yourself some bench hole cover. And it's kind of a, a similar situation where you just hope that on that given week, maybe Whitfield actually hits a hundred at some point this season, boys, it's yet to happen. That would be nice for his owners. Do you, sorry, just, just while we're talking about Whitfield, uh, and Cogs with Mark McVay coming this week, Ben, I'd be interested to hear if you think there might be an upturn on some of these underperforming GWS players because they might revert to some positions or at least find some consistency in where they're out on the field. Uh, positions is the key component because scoring is literally influenced by the position that you are playing. Now, if they are playing in a super coach friendly role, then it's much easier to score. So usually you see people with potential playing a bad role, AKA Josh Kelly last year for the first six rounds while I had him. Yeah. Um, and then once the role changes, everything sort of flows. Now, if Whitfield goes and plays a friendly role and he's still racking up the ball, he's just not doing much with it. So it's going to be interesting there. Cornelio, if he plays forward, well, that's going to kill his role and that's killing his scoring. We've already seen um, Berry, Jared Berry from the Lions. Zorko's come into that midfield. Berry's now pushed out of that midfield and scoring badly and playing badly. So it really does dictate. Now, here's the thing. I was very confident of Gorn and, and Clayton Oliver going really well against West Coast as well. But just because you are playing a bottom team does not guarantee you. It means someone will get off the hook. And unfortunately, if there's not much pressure on, whoever has the ball is literally going to be getting all those points. So I am optimistic. I'm toying up between Martin or Cornelio, who's going to get out of my side and the scenarios around that, which there'll probably be questions on that, big topics. Um, yes, I'm hoping they will do well. Well, so that's actually a really good transition. Because uh, we we've, do... we've Sorry, got a couple of questions. So Segway. the first one was from Matthew Pitt, and he actually asked, what should you do with the GWS players like Cornelio, Taranto, and Whitfield? And I think we've answered that. But Ben, would you hold on to them for one more week just to see? Or if the plans benefit your team now, would you just do it? I think the big issue in the forward line, so looking even, I'll drag Martin into this because, you know, Essendon can use a bit of um, a bit of promoting at this point in time. Um, because if you're getting rid of them, who are you going to? Unless you have um, a real good DPP swing of someone that can come on field, who are you going to? Because in round 12, you're going to have possibly Boak if he plays 50-50 like he has the last three rounds. He's gone, I think he was, what, 28% or 27%. So he might even get to 35% in two weeks based on his last three-week history. You've got Bailey Smith. You've got Bontempelli. I'm taking any single one of these people in a few weeks, two weeks' time. So who are you going to this week? Ahini, who's averaged 90 over the last three. There's, you know, there's no English. So I am really concerned as if you're getting rid of Cornelio, Taranto, I think, will possibly go back into that midfield anyway. Another person who has potential. Who are you going to? And the only scenario that I think actually makes sense is if you are getting rid of, say, a Martin or a Cornelio in your forward line and you are dragging a McCartan from your defensive line and playing him on field, that is probably the only scenario for me that actually makes sense. That kind of answers two questions that we had. Um, Corey asked, what should you do with Nick Martin? And Ben, you kind of answered it there. Don't trade him out unless there is a an actual upgrade to have from trading him out at the moment, Nick Martin's not doing a lot better than the top three or four forwards at the, at the moment. So he's worth keeping at least until Essendon's buy. So contrary to what you're both saying uh, in, you need to choose one of Cogs or Nick Martin. 
uh, I this week have gotten rid of them, uh, both Nick Martin and Cox, because it allowed me to bring in Rory Laird and George Hewitt, along with boosting to bring in Greg Clark. So I'm replacing him. I think a Paddy McCartan, if you've got him in your defense, is a great sort of cover while we figure out what's happening with the forward swings. And that buys you a little bit of time. And I am fortunate enough to have had Tom Sparrow all season, who has been averaging around 70, but he's getting the CBAs to really have potential to score much higher depending on the game and how that's going. He's seeing a lot of the ball and that kind of thing. So I think, I think Ben, you hit the nail on the head where it's, you need to make sure that you have cover before getting rid of those guys, because you know, if you're just bringing in some, you know, not for the lack of a better word, loser, but just a, a lower scoring player to cover those guys, then you're just burning points anyway. Yeah, I think that's where McCartan really opens up some possibilities, especially if he's if he's in your defensive line. Like I know you've got um, Buku, uh, Buku coming in and possibly uh, another one next week. I've forgotten his name. Luke Cleary. Cleary. Um, I should have thought of that, Cleary. Um, so... They there's not too many defenders on the horizon. So if you can actually take him out of your defensive line and put him on field in your forward line, then that means that you really only need to kind of get one more defender. You've already got a cash cow out of your defensive line into your forward line. So that way you can then easily, any rookie that comes along from now on, you can look for one defender and one forward instead of you trying to find two more defenders for McCartan and DeConing. Because most teams have them on the bench. Uh, or are looking to kind of upgrade them. So it does depend particularly on your structure and how many DPPs you have to be able to work it. But I am not confident in many other rookies on field in the forward line outside of McCartan. Both DeConnick and McCartan this week as well have extremely achievable break-even. So it's not even like they're an option to get rid of because I think they're still valuable and they're still scoring relatively serviceable. I have to admit, I got rid of Paddy McCartan when he missed that week with concussion because I had no idea what was going to happen in that space there. Glad he eventually came back and is scoring well these last two weeks. With trades, should you play DPP, Crystal Ball, and go early on some of these players that could potentially gain a position? Or should you play it safe? This question comes from uh, Jevs on Twitter. I'll take it then. Why not? Uh, it's a dangerous game. Very dangerous. And I get flashbacks of me trading in McGrath from Essendon thinking, hey, here comes a number one defender, boys and girls. I'm going heavy on my draft leagues only for an injury to mean it absolutely gets cooked. Now, it's dangerous because you don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. So last week he was trading and pretty much going, I think, hand for hand with Trelaw. So we're talking about Bailey Smith, case example going hand-in-hand with Trelaw, going 50-50, one in, one out, and alternating those um, CBAs. Now, it's classic Bevo. When you're playing a – he could be like, oh, okay, we need more run and drive and use out of the midfield. So wonderful. Bailey Smith, get your ass in there and dominate. Um, You have no idea what's going to happen. Now, Bailey Smith, you could have a worse M8 in your team, but if you're bringing him in to play forward, you will be extremely disappointed if he doesn't get there. As in, in my opinion, it would be a failed pick. However, with the danger comes the rewards because he is extremely well-priced. He is like 520000 or something around those mark. Um, he is extremely attractive as far as price. So you could bring him in this week. 
He scored a 140-odd last week. He plays the Suns and then West Coast in the next two weeks. So the flip side to the danger is if you wait two weeks, he could absolutely downhill ski. I can't see anyone at West Coast being able to clock up the kilometers or track someone that is so good and damaging outside as Bailey Smith. So it's uh, for me, it's a 50-50. If I wasn't going Laird this week, I'd probably actually look at it. So... I think I, I definitely agree that, you know, it's a, it's a risk reward. I would probably be on the side of not doing it purely because my question is, and it's kind of what you were saying before with Cogs and Martin, who like, who are you bringing in to cover them? So if you bring in Bont and then say for some reason, the crystal ball changes and he doesn't get his forward status, well, then you've got Bont and you don't really want Bont as a midfielder. So is that position taking away from somebody else he can bring in? Because especially this week and somebody who I've really got my eye on for upgrades over the next coming weeks, Brad Crouch. Un- underpriced compared to, you know, Bailey Smith and Bont. He's under 500K, has a break even of 37 and really has been racking up the touches and with steal out the opportunities there. So it's definitely concerning to run that risk, I think, on my perspective. And it's not like they're 40% forward. They're 37. They are two points off, right? And then when you have a look at that two points, so next week, I think it's a bit more realistic. If they still are 37 or 38%, then you know it's not really going to change too much on one week. But with two weeks to go, it's more dangerous. Bailey Smith has been brought in by 1,500 people this week. Brad Crouch, who I strongly disagree with, is 1,500 people, but similarly. And the other thing about bringing in all these Bulldogs players that are potentially going to get dual position status is how many Bulldogs do you want before the round 13 buy? Because at the moment you can select Dunkley, Liberatore in English, add Bontempelli, add Smith. That's already five players from your forward line alone, potentially that is going to be missing in round 13 on top of who you already have. So are these players players that you want to target after round 13, or do you want to bring them in and address that and address that when it comes to it, I guess. If buys weren't an issue, my entire forward line would be Liber, Dunkley, English, Bont, Bailey Smith by the end of end of round twelve or round thirteen. And yeah. that leads to the next question. Do you prioritize making trades to maximize your numbers for the buyers? Or do you focus on getting the best team possible making and giving the buyers a backseat. That's from um, Brad on Twitter. Right. Well, Brad, uh, it's very interesting. I'm going to also touch on the fact that you add, you know, Tuke and Led and Stewart and a whole range of, you know, Parker's Dunkleys into that mix as well. If you're going for league, it's an easy situation. I had a, a chat with someone at um, work today, like, oh, the buyers and I've got too many of this that, and the other. I was like, mate, you're playing for league and you already have a lot of people with around 14 buy. Load up. Go nuts because you'll at least win two out of the three, ideally. Or, um, as I was chatting to a couple of the guys on SC Insider the other day, looking at your team matchups, you know who you're going to be playing in the next few weeks if you're playing for league. Go have a look. See what their structure looks like so that way you can actually plan to make sure you dominate through that. But for overall, it's it's interesting. Normally, you try and really set up your structure and keep some you know trades into it so that way you can really trade aggressively through the buys. This year is a little bit more of an anomaly because of how strong some of these mid prices and you know the 200k year Brodies and all these how well people have performed. 
We've had more cash earlier than usual, so most people have a fairly full team. Anyone that's high ranked is pretty well full already, and they're looking to kind of maybe sideways trade or make some final upgrades within that buy period to keep themselves in the game with 18 per round. But it's very valuable. The That middle buy round is absolutely chaotic, and we didn't know it until all of these position changes actually came about. Last question until we move into the tips and captains. If you only have one boost left, when should you use it or how long should you hold it? We we kind of touched on this last week um, and I think it was probably uh, one of the more profound clarity moments that I think we had with Azza where I don't think there's a right or wrong time to use the boost. If you use the boost and it's upgrading your team, then it's absolutely beneficial so you already have a plan in mind and you know the reason why you're doing it is for the long-term benefit of your team if you're going for overall so there's never really a bad time to boost unless the trade you're making is already bad if you have one boost i suggest you probably save it for the cinemas boys wait until you get a mason cox looking mofo sitting in front of you and boost over his big head um there you are correct though there is no right or wrong time to trade there are some people i've seen that have zero boosts left and now they have this conundrum on oh i need clark in but i've also got an injured steel so i think that's going to be a bit of a situation the buys coming up you get three anyway so it, it might not necessarily be hey whether boost is the issue it might be how many trades do i have because you're still getting three per buy and you still only have the same amount of you know trades total so i am not opposed to the fact of coming out of the buy with just your normal trades if you have one i kind of see the appeal in just keeping one boost up your sleeve in case you need it in case you get in towards your finals and all of a sudden you've got like, oh there's a COVID or a team that loses a couple of players and you're like bang i've got a few trades up my sleeve i've got an extra boost and then you literally annihilate your opponent and go around it that way so one I, I don't mind keeping one but at the end of the day buy rounds you get an extra trade anyway after that you're used to having two trades so you should have a full team after the buys so why are you holding on to a, a a golden ticket right when there's no gold left to be found in town yeah i think it's, it's like you were saying before we've had a significant influx of cash a lot earlier than we usually expected it to so people are pretty much almost done or tweaking the final pieces of their team so realistically by the time we come out of the buys with all the extra trades during the buy period as well, the trades that you're going to have left are mostly going to be covering COVID injury or some other unforeseen circumstance through that because you won't need to make any significant upgrades. So you can just move your pieces around to sort of get yourself in a good position for that round. Yeah, if you save it for a rainy day, you might as well just move to Cairns boys when the uh, dogs play the who's it the sun's up there just always raining so yeah burn them go hard burn them if you're going for overall you can't sit back and wait sometimes uh even going back to you know deconing you know his break even is creeping up he's 310,000. if he's not on field then you're not getting his points anyway you might as well use that cash get a premium get aggressive and actually start to make some moves that wraps up all the questions for today so we'll move into the tips and captains for round 10, starting at Marvel Stadium on Friday night, Carlton faces Sydney. I think Sydney might have this one, especially with no Harry Mackay. 
it's hard to tell with Sydney, isn't it? Because I think they've they've had some games where they really powered home and overtook to brush out a win, and then the two losses that they've had in the last three rounds were kind of, huh? I didn't didn't see that coming. Um, I've actually tipped Carlton for this one because I think they're playing a really good, consistent style of football, and we love a Friday night game because it gives you the VC options of Crips. Doherty, Hewitt, as well as Parker, Mills, even even Heaney, if you want to be out there. Yeah, I'm going Carlton on this one. Rule number wo- rule number one, boys, here is uh, don't diss the leck dog. Carlton all the day, every day, uh, extremely powerful. Now, VCs for me, it has to be, if you are looking and you only have maybe a loophole that's fairly early, it's either Cripps or Mills if you have him. Um, I believe that Hewitt might even know and well he knows Callum Mills so I reckon he probably has a few tricks up his sleeve I wouldn't mind seeing him kind of run to him and try and negate and try and expose all of those weaknesses that only someone or a teammate would know and then try and free up Paddy Cripps so I think it's one of the two I don't mind the early snag there if you're not going to if you can't hold out for you know like McRae and the rest of it that we'll get into I, I quite like those two options I think it's also raining so I'm probably expecting a pretty messy game um from that one, even at Marvel, if the the roof is open during the day. Well, it'll be messy on the scoreline because the Swans will get absolutely smacked in the wet. <laughs> uh, I do like the Swans, though, and uh, obviously shout out to Zane. Um, the other consideration is if Cripps doesn't play Ruck, then who knows what will happen. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Late in that game on the weekend, Cripps pushed Tom DeConning out of the Ruck and basically said, I'll do it. Go away. Well, to be fair, De Kooning also did claim that there was a light breeze that knocked him out of the way. So, <laughs> Early side Saturday. Uh, I was going to say, got... side note, I love Errol Goulden. I would love to pick him in Supercoach. Early Saturday, Geelong host Port Adelaide at GMHBA Stadium. I don't actually see any captaincy options in this game. Prove Not me wrong. Me. The only thing I want from this game, Supercoach-wise, is for Zach Butters to play well and score 100 and continue my theory that he is just playing poorly and not. that's why he's not scoring well. So if he plays good and scores well, I'll be happy with that. Just some clean disposals, less clangers, less turnovers. Yeah, his role's there, but it's kind of like, uh, I don't know where you boys are. I'm trying to think of... It's probably not going to work too well. I was going to say it's kind of like flying in and out of Ballina. Everything just – please playing a good role. It's just, the ball just keeps going over his head. Everyone just keeps bypassing him, which is an absolute issue. Um, the only issue, uh, the only captain here for me, Polly Boys, would be Tom Stewart, either if Port Adelaide actually just keep bombing it long and he racks up, or maybe they put him back on the wing again uh, as he did a few weeks ago and he towels up. But there is a lot of risk involved in that, so I wouldn't recommend any of that. Is Charlie Dixon back this week, or is he still he could week away? He could be. I'd That's like huge. to see him back. Bit of mongrel, bit of Gold Coast in him. Speaking of Gold Coast, the Gold Coast head to Ballarat to play at Mars Stadium against the Bulldogs. We always talk about Jack McRae, Bontempelli, Bailey Smith, Tom Liberatore as options. But what about Took Miller? He seems to have reinvigorated himself after a few poor weeks. I like Took uh, as an option and I really, really want to tip Gold Coast, but it is at Mars and I think the Bulldogs maybe have the edge up there. 
But Gold Coast, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and play really tough. I mean, Damo commiserations for the result last week. But, you know, they've. I think they're surprised. I think people are underestimating them. And the Bulldogs have looked shaky at different times over the last few weeks. Boys, I'm going to have to send you an invoice, I think. That's uh, two segues in one session. I can't even write this stuff down. (laughs) In windy conditions, if it's a little bit wet or it's a little bit windy, particularly Ballarat's, the ball will hit the deck a little bit more often than anyone. So I think Took is definitely a good option. I don't know if I'd put the C on him. If you're going to hold off and not go Crips or something, then I think this game is perfect Um, outside of obviously the D's game, which is up next. Uh, Took Miller, so rainy conditions. If it is here, the ball will be un- un- up and under, similar to last week with Took. He was going so hard at it, clean hands, diving, get the handball out, the score assists. Gold Coast are definitely a more difficult matchup, but I think the Dogs lost last time in Ballarat, so I can't see that happening again. And the final thing I'll say on Took is that when he retires, boys, I heard he's going to Thailand because all they're going to hear is his name being called twice, and it's going to be Took Took, left, right, and center. Or is it tuk tuk? You, you can tell Ben's a dad because we've had because we've had the, these dad joke dad puns all through the podcast, and they've been it's the main great. reason that we invite him, isn't it? Look, my shit takes a, a world class. Let's put it that way. <laughs> the next game is uh, North Melbourne host Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. Up the nam. Last week, we thought all the Melbourne players were going to completely rip West Coast a new one, but um, Clayton Oliver didn't do a lot. Max Gorn didn't do a lot. Petrarca played all right. Petrarca did play okay. So maybe he is probably the best option in this game, or Max Gorn usually has a fairly good battle with Todd Goldstein as well. So that's always a chance there. But we don't know if Goldstein will play with Tristan Sherry potentially coming back. Goldstein might need a rest. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Jerry, obviously, as well, even if Goldstein does play, it'll be interesting to see people who brought Goldstein in, what happens scoring-wise for them. You know, I hope it was definitely a risk, so I hope it pays off for people who did bring him in. But yeah, Jerry kind of pegs to me that, yeah, it's going to go on the downward trend for him. Um, yeah, Petrarca, Oliver. Petrarca's probably my pick of the game just because I reckon he comes out, scores a couple of cheeky goals and racks up 25 for that one you know and it'll it'll be good i'll be there um i think ben probably last week shades of the lions versus west coast where kind of just hit the front and then cruised to the end and then decided oh chuck on a few more and that was it well the issue with the demons is the fact that they are so far ahead and they're a game clear that they don't have to bust their balls manscaped um to get themselves ahead and ahead that's a double pun right there we go um so yeah with max gorn he didn't have to sort of put in the hard yards now if cherry is the ruck this week i think that's great for gorn because goldie is a harder matchup to try and actually ruck over i think they're trying to keep cherry and probably promised him quite a lot of this ruck time and saying hey goldie you have to park it forward and play relief because we want to keep this guy in our system and that's the only way to do it for me I understand what you're saying. If Petrarca didn't kick four behinds last week, he was going 160. If yeah. he kicked a little bit more accurately, so he can tail up. He is someone that can hit the scoreboard more. But at the same time, I have this sneaky feeling like, you know, the matchup with Clary and him actually getting a lot of the ball, he'll probably be well-rested last week. Petrarca coming off, uh, I think it's a, a less day break, isn't it? So it was Sunday. So now it's a, remember he was talking about how he had knee inflammation coming off a six-day break. 
and had to take care of his knees sometimes because of his ACL and everything like that. I'd go again. I'd go with Clary being well rested to towel up over Petrarca on a six-day break coming. And don't forget they flew back from Perth. So I'd be avoiding Petrarca this week. I know he towels up and he probably still goes 120 or could do better, but I feel like this one is very well suited to Clary. And I am very keen on Clary into someone that comes soon. I think it'll definitely just come down to whether the shinbone spirit is alive or buried. Well, dogs like to bury the bones, so I think that shinbone will be buried deep. <laughs> Next game is Dreamtime at the G, Richmond versus Essendon. Dustin Martin is back. Is he an option as a – do people even have Dustin Martin still? I like it if you've got him. Well, if you've got him, you've had enough pain, I think, so you're bound for a little <laughs> bit of reward. Um, there's so many other forwards that are absolutely killing it now where people we thought were averaging 95 to 100 would still be pretty good. But if – well, even – well, Gorn won't get it. But, you know, Bonds, Smith, and even like if um, bloody Boke get it, then all of a sudden you have to throw baby out of the bathwater and rechange all of your calibrations to try and get some of them in. So um, interesting. Richmond – win this because they're more consistent. <laughs> That's all you need to say about um, the Bombers realistically. But I do expect a lot of fight from Essendon this week. Uh, if I was a betting person, I'd be taking the line on the Bombers probably. Patch, I believe. I believe Essendon's down for time. I believe there's going to be some tackles this week. Um, look, smoky call. And I say this knowing that I am definitely biased, but would love to see Darcy Parrish have a big one. He's he's sort of had a bit of an uptake in form over the last couple of weeks. So I think definitely some potential to go, you know, that 120 plus. As long as he turns up, just need Essendon to kind of rein their heads in. Sneaky shout out too, boys, is if you are missing quite a few midfielders, Zach Merritt would be low 500s coming out of his buy with a history of toweling up the back end of a season. Low 500 for Zach Merritt, I think, is absolutely outstanding value out of that first buy. If I had the spots for him, I'm probably going Laird and Mills because I only have two spots and I think they're probably better scoring and I have money. But I love that. I know he had a really bad game last week, but generally he's really consistent and finishes the season strong. I think the last three years running, averaging like 115 or more in the back end of the year. It's a better steal when them than when Petrarca got a PS5 and an Xbox Series X from Cashies. Load up. Next game is Adelaide and St Kilda at Adelaide Oval. We'll stay. We'll, we'll see how St Kilda um, steal up without Jack. I tried to do a <laughs> pun there, Ben. No, you did good. It was good. Yeah. Um, I think St. Kilda still win this, but I'm actually wary of Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. I thought the same thing the last time I tipped them, <laughs> and I was sorely disappointed. I think Saints, Saints worked extremely hard to get the win last game, and I think that would have been a little bit mentally fatiguing. Saints are extremely good, but now it's like, okay, well, who are we going to replace for the whole game, and how are we going to shift everything? Adelaide put up a good fight uh, against Brisbane. I thought they were extremely good and they got flogged the week before that. So I think they're kind of due for a win. Um, 
So I wouldn't mind. I know it's you know Saints are a heavy favorite. So uh, uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if Saints win because they're a dollar thirty seven favorite, which is crazy. Uh, here's another one. If I was a betting person, I'd be taking the line because I don't think Adelaide are going to lose as much as what the odds are suggesting. And Laird for me, super consistent uh, midfield without Steele, who a team that doesn't tag anyway. Um, it's going to be one way traffic for Laird. Um, pretty much, it'll be the express train. Pretty much like Hanbury straight to the rehab clinic. It's guaranteed. I'm honestly torn between picking a captain from the Melbourne game or picking Laird that I brought him in this week because, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Oh, I'm bringing in Laird and captaining him straight, straight away. I just think <laughs> I'm I'm just, just running with it. I'm just going all in with this trade, just trading him in, captaining him in, just hoping that he can do his bit, do his bit for me, especially if my vice captain doesn't work. On to Sunday, the Giants with Mark McVeigh in charge face West Coast at Giants Stadium. The Giants should win this. Should. <laughs> is is there something in my ape brain that's just like, kind of would be funny if West Coast won? <laughs> just <laughs> kind of be funny. <laughs> new, I think- usually new coaches get a little bit of a spark though. Generally, it's like, okay, and dust all the cobwebs out and being like, right, new game plan, give it to Whitfield. (laughs) Um, Optimistic thinking. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, the coach is gone. Let's play the boys. Hamilton, I think, definitely gets a gig. They have to keep playing um, those kind of of youth to sort of promote and see where their list is at between now and the end of the year. But break the shackles, let rid of those cobwebs, and actually – have some dare boys. They can now play risk-free, not thinking about, oh, the media's going to rip us apart. It's like, okay, well, hey, you have a free opportunity to literally take the game on, play like you did against Adelaide. And I see this one being an absolute blowout with all the players heavily traded out, doing well for one week only. It's a one-week special, boys. (laughs) I think Josh Kelly has been super consistent, though, as captain options. And I wouldn't mind Braden Pruce, I think, in this game. Um, up against Bailey, is it Bailey Williams? Uh, up against Bailey Williams or Callum yeah. Jameson or Luke Stenatica or someone who they've pulled from a waffle team. As a rule of thumb, boys, ever since round 7, 2021, I don't talk about Josh Kelly. <laughs> ever. <laughs> he hurt me too bad. That's uh, he, he is a good option. If you do have him, then I would definitely not be opposed to that. Ben, your boys head down to Utah's stadium to face the Hawks. Lockie Neal is the obvious candidate here as a captain. He is the easiest captain choice out of anyone because of his, A, his ceiling and also his standard deviation. Even when you think he's not going well, he still breaks out 110 or 115 and you kind of go, oh, okay, like it's not too bad. Yeah, instead of you going a C on McRae who's gone, you know, what, 90 a couple of times, Lockie Neal, you just know what you're going to get. And he has been tagged so many times before that even if he gets attention, he lines up in a stoppage and he gets on the move because he knows you can't stop him on the move. You can't grab him. You can't hold him. If I'm on the move, it's up to you to try and stop me from getting that ball and not give away a free kick. And I think that's where his game has really evolved. He's an excellent kick. When you look at Hawthorne, I mean, if Callum Mills can go 200 by playing, was it 70% game time or 60% game time? Lockie Neal could absolutely tail up, and he has shown that already this year with a couple of really big scores. For me, he is the safest captain option if you have a loophole to be able to use him. 
I would be locking him as a captain and trying to go with someone else with a high ceiling. Pick anyone, Cripps, pick Oliver, wait until, you know, whoever, Led, if you have a loophole, go with someone else. Hope they go a 140. And if they fail, if, you know, they don't go 125 or more, then Lockie Neal thinks your guy against the Hawks. Would you go for James Sicily at all? I suppose the um, game. I suppose the game would have to be earlier in the round to take that risk. As a captaincy option, no. I I don't VC or see anyone except for midfielders or rucks generally, just because they have more consistency in their role. Uh, Sicily has been extremely good. I'm hoping he kind of falls off a cliff because I'm a non-owner, unfortunately, which would be nice if I was top 100 if I didn't have Whitfield and went Sicily. That would have been excellent for my year. Um, 600,000 or thereabouts for a player who's killing it to number one defender, I believe, or around that mark uh, for total points, I think, because Hewitt's probably there on average. Uh, I stay clear of defenders, etc. I mean, look how people got burnt by Stewart after a really big round. Brisbane will be aware of Sicily. I think they'll try and negate him and negate those matchups. They will try and stop his intercept marking where possible. Um, yeah, I just don't like it. Stick to Bris- the middies. Brisbane are doing what I wish Melbourne would do, where they seem to really have that killer instinct this year. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to round 15. That's going to be a brilliant game to watch. And they play different styles too. You know, Geelong kind of, and I think Sydney at one point as well, they really try and clog the corridor to try and stop the switch and to try and stop the fast play. And like, okay, well, we'll just go down the line and play contested footy then. And then once they kind of lock it down, then all of a sudden they get a bit lazy and then they go, right, wonderful. You're expecting down the line. Let's go. And then, the, you know, Zorko starts to try and penetrate, hit a kick from 50 meters away. Um, I love Zorko, but I'm not bringing him in my side. And everyone keeps asking me, like, oh, are you bringing in Zorko? And I was like, well, no, there's 10, 15 other players that are averaging more. I love the Zorko and he's a pretty good price. But why would you trade in someone that has a pretty good price with an up and down kind of scoring pattern and is old? I mean, I love the oldies, but, you know, there's so many other potential this year. This year, so many good scorers. Sorry, Bulls. And confirmed or unconfirmed, we don't know if he actually has an Achilles anymore. So there's also that as well. Last game of the round, the Dockers take on Collingwood uh, at Optus Stadium. So hopefully, game, hopefully the Dockers get back on the winners list. But it's going to be another very wet game by all reports. So it'll be interesting to see how the Dockers adjust to the wet weather after failing to adjust up on the Gold Coast. Jack Crisp is a risk to miss this game. He wasn't training today, home with that flu that's been going around the clubs in Victoria. I kind of like Andy Brayshaw in this game, but I also wouldn't be against people captaining Will Brody if they really, really wanted to take that risk. Ben's shaking his head. If people (laughs) wanted to do a Hail Mary, I'm not a fan of people captaining in the last game of the round. There's just something about the last game of the round where I just don't think a captain in the last game of the round is smart. So I think if you haven't locked in your captain by the Hawthorne-Brisbane game, and as Ben said, Lockie Neal is the perfect safety net for this, then I think you just got to throw a Hail Mary in this last game. Do you think the your the Frio's performance against Gold Coast was solely weather-based? Yeah, some of it was team selection, some some of it was weather. Was that Hail Mary a weather pun by any chance? Talking about the hail and the weather? 
Incidental. Okay. In- in- incidental, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think Fremantle really bounce back and win this game strongly, whether it's um, you know raining or, or good weather. And the reason is that they are so well drilled in their defensive lineup. Uh, it's interesting to see how the game has transitioned over time anyway, where it used to, you know, you, the teams used to wait for the, the ball to go into the defensive line and say, right, now let's, you know, it's kind of like hold, hold, attack, and wait for the ball to get into that defensive line, and now we're going to run and, and really flip them. Whereas they've really shown now on A, they, they block the corridor, they give you the possession in that inside that 50, and then you can't move the ball. Between that forward 50 arc and to the other forward 50, they literally clog you and force a turnover, and once it turns over, they then want to flip you and go the other way. So uh, I think Fremantle are by far the most impressive defensive unit so far. They still have leaks as far as you know, their forward um, caliber and all the rest of it, but their system and how they're all buying into that system to force it and to turn it over, I think they are far and beyond. Um, and Collingwood forwards, I don't think are going to be able to handle it, boys, regardless. It's a strong foundation that Justin Longmuir has built. He came in, wanted to build the defense first, then then when then started building the midfield and is now working on the forward line. And I think Jamie Graham coming in from West Coast has been a big part of the forward line working better than it has in the past. Um, I think at the mid-season draft, they bring in a key forward just to sort of shore up those stocks because Josh Tracy's sort of in, in, in no man's land. Jai Amos is young. When Matt Tabern is not playing, not playing, they kind of have to either go for Lloyd Meek or these one of these young forwards that aren't quite ready yet. So I think mid-season draft will see another key forward to complement Taberner or to or to, uh, to complement Taberner or Lo- and uh, Lob. Yeah, and Tracy doing well. Um, Carlton also did the exact same thing with their rebuild. They built the foundation of defence, and unfortunately, it just took them a long time—about five years—to try and transition <laughs> anywhere out of defence. Um, and moving forward. So Fremantle absolutely have shown the blueprint going forward. Just noticed uh, one, two, and three here, boys. And uh, three teams, I think, and I've seen it a lot in Freo this year that I've really liked, of playing a good, consistent brand of football, like knowing what the game plan is and sticking to it. Obviously, you know, Melbourne last year, you know, that, that premiership, I'm still celebrating because it came out of nowhere. 2020 was an awful year and 2019 was an awful year. So that 2021 came out of, you know, our defensive system working and then finally letting the midfield shine. And Brisbane, I think, have been playing a really good, consistent brand of football for multiple years now. Like the downturn is well and truly over for you guys. And Frio this year have been super impressive. So... It's it's really good to yeah, how we're good the top footy. three boys. We're the how top three footy. boys. Footy's awesome. Yeah, footy's the one great. thing that really um, annoyed me last week was Dockers didn't change anything once the once they were on the back foot. They just backed in their system and didn't work. Something needed to change in that last ten minutes when Pierce was subbed out and Brandon Walker came in. Those last ten minutes, it was a complete shift because there was more run on the field. Yeah, Don't worry it. about Brisbane too, boys. We do the reverse Bradbury where we get to the finish line and then choke. So don't stress too much <laughs> about us. We'll get we'll get to the finals. We'll probably even get a you know a bit of a lifeline there. But um, you know, I, I think the tide will turn, hopefully, and um use Ooh. those as good lessons. I think in the next where Melbourne, where sorry, Nam, where where due to play you guys both. I think Damo, your next not this round, next round. Um, your boys are coming to the MCG. I'll be there, and I'll I'm 
considering buying a Nat 5 badge because he looks like an evil supervillain on the badge. Uh, and I do love Frio. And yeah, we've got Brisbane in round 15, which I believe is the breast cancer awareness game. So that'll be another good one. And I'll make my way out to both and get to see, you know, three beautiful teams out in person. Yep. And they play also against the Lions in the last round, which will be at the Gabba. So you're always welcome Ooh. to come up here and um, watch one. and watch bro- watch Brisbane take the top of the table in the last round. <laughs> That'd be nice. The last time we were 9-0, and we won a premiership. <laughs> All right, guys. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for putting your questions in to be answered. Thank you, Ben, for joining us with better audio this time. Not a worry at all. Always a pleasure, boys. Happy to be here. Clarky, thanks again, mate. And just a reminder, we are sponsored by Manscaped. Use code JOCKMAIL at their checkout for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Use code JOCKMAILBAG to get your questions answered. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>